Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. I hope you are ready. If you are with your wigs, I think you should just put them down. <laughs> right just put them aside because i don't want to be snatching wigs this evening but i want you to be ready to be taught to be corrected to be instructed and in that light i want us to just open our bibles very quickly go to uh the book of second timothy with me oh you're in for an amazing time i hope you're with your bibles and your writing materials because this is good stuff this is this is good stuff. Glory to Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you. All right. Are you there with me? Second Timothy, we're going to um, chapter three from verse 16. Chapter three from verse 16. I hope you're there. All right. Second Timothy, chapter three from verse 16. We're going to read till verse 17. And many of you know the scripture so well. But we're going to start here, okay? So this is what it says. All scripture. And when the Bible says all scripture, it means the entirety, the holistic um, compilation of scriptures, the wholesome message of scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And I'm reading from the NLT. Uh, so if it sounds a bit weird to you, that's why. Um is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That I mean, that's so simple. It corrects us. This is scripture. Scripture corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare us. This is verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Right. If you're reading that in the in the King James Version, what you're going to see is all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Right. Um, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what you're seeing here is scripture has a purpose. And what you see in scripture is, is you see the mind of God revealed in scripture. You see the will of God revealed in scripture. So basically what it's saying is all you're going to get from the scripture is for your good. It's going to teach you. It's also going to rebuke you in the times where you make mistakes or you err. It's meant to bring you back, you know, in line to bring you back on course and tell you that, look, you were going this way. You were going astray, but now this is the way you should go. So it corrects you. And for instruction in righteousness. And this is so important because um, a lot of people think that the Bible is, is, is a tool to just please you. A lot of people engage in something called cherry picking. So they look for the nice areas in scripture that just appeals to them and just looks so good and looks, mm, this is God saying this to me. Ah, this blessing is mine. Ah, this promise is mine. You're looking for the good things to satisfy you. But I tell you, even in scripture, there are things that God has said and set in place, standards, designs, blueprints that he has instituted. For your good, 
so that at any point where you deviate from the plan, the scriptures correct you, bring you back in order. And have you ever seen someone who is being corrected? How do they look? And they're like, yay, I was just slapped and corrected by my mom. I'm so excited. Is that how it happens? Of course not. It, it's a sober experience. It, it, it's a solemn one. It's one that you you are, you know, you meditate, you, you reflect. What did I just do? I made these mistakes and you come to a place of realization. Oh, this was actually wrong. And this is what is right. It, it helps align your moral compass. That's what scriptures do, right? And so that's that's exactly what the scriptures are here for. And that's why I'm here. That's my assignment this night. The, the, the whole point is to just present the word of God as it is to you and let it do what it's supposed to do in you. I don't know what it's going to do for you, but it's going to encourage you, motivate you, or correct you. Whatever it is, God's word is powerful enough to do all those things in your life, only if you're receptive. And you know that it's for your good. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. So look, we, I have so much in store for you um, for this series. It, it, it just might not last for a month. Um, it, it might exceed that. I, I'm really not. I really don't mind if it does because there's just so much to share about this issue of relationships. The theme for this series is sailing relationships right? There is a ship called relationship and we're sailing aboard that ship. We're we're sailing so that we get to our final destination. And I want to help you at every step of that journey. That's the whole point. I want to, to help you before you even set sail. I want to help you before you even start on the journey and, and go across the turbulent or calm waters as, as the case may be. I want to help you on this journey. That's what we're here. And and you see, uh, when it comes to relationships, there's just so much to talk about, you know, and and it's not just limited to a romantic relationship. A relationship is basically where more one or more people, uh, two or more, pardon me, two or more people or entities are involved and interact with one another. That's a relationship. So whatever relationship you have in your life right now, this is a series for you. So maybe you came here like, oh, they're just going to talk about love and romance. Uh, I'm not really in that place right now. Look, I have more for you. Maybe you came for something else. There's more for you. But if just by any chance you're, you're saying that out of a place that is dark and, and painful and hurtful. Look, these teachings are for you. They're to help bring you out of that place and bring you in a place where you stand strong in all of God's design for your life and your relationships. Praise the name of Jesus. I am so excited. I'm sure you can tell already. But let me start off by asking you all this question, right? How many of you, and I want to see your comments as, as many of you, let me see in the chat section, how many of you have goals for the year as regards relationships? This year, 2021, you made up your mind. You set real clear-cut goals. This is what I want to do this year. For some of you, um, you know, it, it might be... I mean, this is something that a lot of people do every year, right? Some of you make commitments. You know, this year, oh, I'm cutting off from these people. I'm cutting off, you know, bye-bye to... Uh, bad rubbish, right? You know, you cut off from this, you cut off from that, you make decisions. Uh, you know, some of you make decisions to take off your singlet. 
Selah, if you understand what that means. You want to take off your singlet. Some of you, you know, you say that you want to be better friends this year. Some of you, you want better partners. Some of you, you, you want better marriages. For those of you that are married, some of you, you just want to be better siblings and better children to your parents. That's your goal for this year. So let me see, let, wherever you are, let me see, do you have goals for this year? Do you have goals for this year? Oh, I'm seeing that many of you do, and that's exciting. That's good to know. That that's that's a very good first step. But you see, um, just like any other goal, just like any other goal that you do or any other new year resolution, it gets to a point where a lot of obstacles just stand in the way between you and your achieving that goal. You know. Sadly, some goals start to seem very far-fetched, you know, especially when there are a lot of past experiences and, and, you know, expectations of others. It just seems like, you know, it's just, it's just weird. Some of you, you set out to, to have a better relationship with God this year. You're like, no, this year I, it's me and God work together in this. We're going to make this work. I have been, you know, fluctuating like that bulb in my house, but I want to make things better this year. You know, I want to stop all this super superficial nonsense and just plain church. I really want to grow and that's you. But the truth is in that same year, that's when you have the most guys come up to you. Oh, come on, tell me. If you if you know what I'm talking about, just, just say hallelujah. Right? It's that time where you say, look, I want to do better. And some people start to spring up in your life. Toxic people. People that don't share the same dreams and goals and values that you do. And before long, you find out that your goal is even getting much farther from you. What is happening? What is happening? That's just how it is. But you see, when it comes to relationships, and look, this is just very introductory, um, but I want you to know that, look, these things I'm saying are so important, and I'm, I'm sure that many of you can relate to them. You need to know two things about relationships as they relate to God, right? Two things about relationships as they relate to to God. See, I know you have plans. I know you have dreams. I know you have expectations for this year, but it all boils down to one thing, one thing. And I dare say even one person. And it's the person who made this whole subject matter even possible. And I'm talking about God. The first thing you need to know about relationships is that God designed you to be in relationships. That's number one. God designed you to be in relationships. You know, when you, you start off school and, and you, you, you start to take classes, you, you do social studies. And one of the things they tell you in social studies, especially if you're in a Nigerian school, is human beings are what? Social beings. Yes, they are physical beings. Yes, they're intellectual beings. But guess what? They are social beings. They are created to exist in a society. They are created for interaction. And you see, in all of the things that God created, 
in the entire universe, in the entire world. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the sky and he saw it was good. He created the animals, Tom and Jerry. And he said, oh, these guys, they are good. You know, he created the plants, you know, um, he, you know, those guys from VeggieTales. And he said, look, these plants and crops, they're so good. He created all these things and said they were good. He created man in his own image and he said, this is good. He was proud of his work. But you see, the first time that something wasn't good, it was God that noticed it. It was God that noticed that something wasn't good. And what was that thing? The first time that something was not good was when in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. It is not good for man to be alone. Can you, I want you to say that. It is not good. <laughs> Now, personalize that. It is not good for me. It is not good for me to be alone. That's what God said when he saw Adam. He saw him. He said, you shouldn't be alone. And so he made a helper just right for him. So you see, even from the start, there was a, there was a co-eternal relationship. With the Trinity, co-equal, powerful personalities in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. The first kind of relationship ever. And he designed man to also be in a circle of relationships as well. To interact with others. It was God's idea. Relationship has always been God's idea. He designed it. And he designed it for you to be in one. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. I'm going to show you another scripture that just hints to us that, look, man was not designed to be alone. Look at Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9. I don't know. Have you read Ecclesiastes in a while? When last did you read Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes, pardon me. When last? Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. But you're going to read it today because of me. You're welcome. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9. Look at this. I'm reading from the NLT version, New Living Translation. It says, two people are better off than one. Boom. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> if I stop there, I, I'm done. Like, I'm good. You know, two heads are better than one is basically what a lot of people say. Two people are better off than one. And, and you know, he starts to give reasons. Why? He says, for they can help each other succeed. They can help each other succeed. The next verse says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. The one who falls alone is in real trouble. That's huge. 
Then he goes on to say, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. You're talking about the cold winter seasons. If you're two, you can keep each other warm. But he says, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, right? For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And some people have been so silly to say that's why you can, you know, polygamy is allowed because of this scripture. That's 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 their business. That's wrong. But you know, sometimes when you watch those cartoons and you see Maybe the Avatar, for those of you who like that cartoon, the animation, The Last Airbender. And he's trying to fight the Fire Nation, the fight of these guys. And they're overwhelming him, throwing their, th- you know, throwing their flames at him, trying to just attack him. And he's trying to defend himself. By the time Sokka and Katara come on the scene to help defend him, what happens? It's easier. And they can, you know, better defeat their enemies. So that's what the scripture is saying, that you are better when there's someone else in the picture it's good for you it's good for you you know so relationships society interactions these are all god's design so god designed you yes you to be in a relationship or to be in relationships praise the name of jesus number 2 number 2 you know, thing you need to know about relationships as they relate to God is that God wants you to succeed in those relationships. God wants you to succeed in those relationships. I want you to look at yourself right now, point to yourself and say this. God wants me to succeed in my relationships. God wants me to win in my relationships. He wants me to thrive. He wants me to be good and prosperous and flourishing. That's God's desire for you. He doesn't he look he look this year 2021, he doesn't want you to be tolerant of toxic relationships. Enough is enough. You know that you've been in those terrible relationships. You know that he didn't treat you right. You know that she didn't treat you right. You know that they didn't help you they pulled you down they broke your heart but this year god wants you to win he wants you to know that you can actually win it's not just a desire for you that he has but it's a possibility in him praise the name of jesus you can actually win Look, enough is enough. Regardless of your experiences or the expectations of others, you can be successful in your relationships. And that's what God wants for you. God wants you to win. He wants you to to have clear goals of what you want, you know, and what he wants for you. That's what he wants for you this year, you know. Relationships were his idea and he wants you to do well in them. Praise the name of Jesus. Look. No matter how introverted you are, um, it's it's just a natural desire in you to want to be with someone else or to be with people. God designed you that way. To to some to some extent, be codependent. Some of you have lived your life in so much isolation and indiv- individualism 
But God is calling you out and saying, look, you need people. You need friends. You need family. You need a, a partner that you can pursue and do life together. God wants this for you. He wants you to have healthy business partners. He wants all of this for you. He wants you to win and succeed at relationships. But you see, we face an obstacle. It's all good. Yes, God designed relationships for us. And more so, he wants us to succeed at them. But guess what? There are obstacles. There are obstacles in the way there's perversion. Today, in the culture we live in, there are so many definitions of what love is. So many. So many definitions of what relationships should look like. You know, it's very common. You see in um, when you watch a lot of movies or television series, you see that the expectation. Imagine you walk up to your friend and, you know, your friend is telling you, oh, you know what? I, I you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, you just start a conversation and you just like, wait, are you telling me you're still a virgin? And you're like, yeah, what's the big deal? Oh, my goodness. You mean, come, 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 come. Ashley, she's still a virgin. Can you imagine? Oh, my God, you're a virgin? You're like, yes, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Oh, my. You know, no, you need to get laid. And you need to get laid fast. You know, or you don't have a boyfriend. Oh, you need to get you a boyfriend stat. You know, and the world just gives this idea of an overly sexualized culture. For, you know, as, as the standard for what relationships should look like. You know, some people just term relationships, oh, you can be with anyone you want as long as there is consent. At least the person at least agrees. It doesn't matter who they are, whether they're of the same sex or the opposite sex. It doesn't matter whether they are, you know, they have these values or they don't have these values. As long as they agree, it's fine. Just do whatever you want. Consent is all that matters. And people define relationships in different ways. Some of you look... In fact, let me just ask this question. How many of you got into relationships just because your friends were in one? You know, or maybe they were in two relationships at the same time. Well, I mean, people have different capacities. So um, how many of you did that? Maybe in your secondary or high secondary school, high school, university, you only went into a relationship. Okay, now I don't want to get up in your business, right? If you want to say it, go ahead. But look, it, it, I mean, I want you to answer that in your head right? How many of you actually went into relationships because of that? Because you saw your friends, because that was the norm. That was what was in vogue. That was what was reigning. How many of you did that? Now, I can tell you categorically that I know so many people who did that, right? Um, a lot of people went into this thing without the right knowledge. A lot of people went into this thing believing things they shouldn't believe, you know, but you see God Regardless of all these things, God wants us to be examples of what successful relationships are. You know, some of you, you know, have seen couples on social media. Some of you have seen couples on social media. And you're like, oh, relationship goals. Ah, ah, Kim and Kanye. Oh, gosh. T.I. and Tiny or whatever their names are. You just see these people that just project a successful relationship, one of full of wealth, one with children. And, you know, this start to form ideas of what a successful relationship is for you. For you, you think it's having 
babies, you know, raising children, which is good. Which bearing and raising children is great. Some of you think it's or oh, enduring and staying married. That's what success in marriage looks like. For some of you, it's oh, as long as you're faithful, you know, in marriage, you don't cheat on anyone. That's what a successful marriage is. But you see, there is more to it. When it comes to relationships, there is such a thing as purpose. And you can do all these other things in your relationship. But if you don't fulfill purpose, then you're not successful. It's like you have a phone right now. And the phone in its design was was made. A typical phone was, was designed to be able to make and receive calls or send text messages from one person to another. But imagine your phone can take you know, pictures with the camera can play games and, you know, Fruit Ninja and Subway Surfer and can play all these games but cannot make calls or receive text or send text. That phone might do so much and seem active and alive, but it is dead. It, it's not fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. And even in relationships, there is such a thing as purpose. But you see, we live in a world that just tells us, oh, this is what it is. You know, the world we live in now, the the, the statistics are going even higher. In, in the past year, during the COVID um, pandemic and the lockdown, the, the rate of divorce rose significantly. Like, never before that the world has ever seen. Now, this time, people were together. People who couldn't stand themselves, husbands and wives, they had to be in the same place together. They couldn't say, oh, I have to go to the office, you know, just to, to save face. They were together. And so, all the problems they had been trying to run away from were right there with them. And the divorce rate just went through the roof. You know, the, the statistics before were... 50% of marriages end in divorce. Now it's more more than that. I think it's about 55% or 60% now. The numbers are going up significantly. Significantly. You know, and people just say, you know, divorce is a normal thing. It's just when you guys don't see eye to eye, you just drop the person. Or if the person offends you or starts to get irritated, you just push them aside. But that's not what God wants for you. He wants that your relationships stand the test of time. And I'm sorry that maybe in the past you've you've been in hurtful relationships. I'm sorry that maybe if what you have around you with your family, you know, what you see is infidelity and unfaithfulness and maybe a toxic marriage with your parents or an abusive one. I am sorry that that's what you're seeing. But see, that's not what God's plan is for you. Oh, I hope someone is listening to me. That's That alone is a healing for you. That's not what God wants for you. Now, I know you've gotten paranoid. I know maybe you've just been skeptical about the next guy that comes to you or the next gal that comes to you. You're just not sure. What if this person breaks my heart again? What if this person, you know, messes up this way and it becomes toxic? What if this person cheats on me? And then, you know, you're trying, maybe you, you were in a relationship, you know, a romantic relationship and it didn't work out for you. And you're trying to build, you're like, no, okay, fine. Yeah. Pastor Kenneth told us that, look, God wants us to su succeed. And you're telling yourself that. And then you go on the internet, you go on Twitter and Twitter can be a jungle, an African jungle. Yes. <laughs> I said that. Um, 
and and you go there and you see all the you see that there's a new trend and you you see a long thread of stories upon stories you know that oh this man was this he was all that a great guy but he cheated at the end this girl she was she looked fantastic but she was a hypocrite she only wanted the man for his money and you're seeing these things consistently it's filling your mind you're like look really all men are scum all women are gold diggers that's my conclusion and what you're doing is you're aligning to what culture and the social space and 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 the society is telling you but you're not listening to what god is saying god is telling you that he wants you to succeed in relationships he wants you to succeed he wants you to know it's possible he wants you to know that even if Though, you know, it's one in 10 relationships that work out fine. He wants you to know that you'll be that one. Oh, yes, that's what God is trying to tell you. And that's his desire for you. That regardless of what this world brings your way, you can stand out. You can stand out. Your relationship can be that example the world needs. Your relationship can be that hope that people hold on to that. Yes, because of your relationship, there's hope for mine. That's what God wants to do with you. So there is so much at stake. And that's why we're doing what we're doing today. So you realize that, look, relationships are not even just for you. Therefore, a testimony for the world to see that look, this are the possibilities in Christ. That if Christ look, because the world today they don't look in the church when they're looking for the model kind of relationship, whether in business, whether in in friendship, they don't look to the church anymore. Because when they see the church, what they see a lot of the times, they feel that there are so many hypocrites in the church. A lot of people who have dragged the name of Christ in the mud, they see that. And they say, no, these Christians, they're all the same. They're just pretending. But God wants something different for you. Praise the name of Jesus. I want to say this. I will be successful in my relationships. I will be successful in all my relationships. I want to read the scripture for you, right? This is still all introductory. And, and I want you to just follow this build up, right? Look at Philippians chapter 2 from verse 15. I want you to check it out with me. We're going to read till verse 16. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 15 up until verse 16. Oh, glory to God. This is beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, someone is getting some confirmations right now about their relationships. You know, even though the, the you know, some of you are, are not in one right now, but you're getting confirmation and and you're getting, you know, encouragement that, look, your relationships will be the standard for the world to see. Oh, glory to God. Look at this. Philippians 2.15. You need to realize that um, this is what God wants for us. Look, um, Paul writes this to the, the church in Philippi and it says, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation amongst whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Look at this. So before I even go there, look at this. That you may become blameless and harmless, blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation now when i when i look at this verse i was sharing with a couple of friends uh just yesterday that when you read the book 
of Daniel and you see this character, this man. This was a man that was excellent in everything that he did, morally excellent. And people who got envious of him in in high-ranking offices tried to implicate this guy. They were looking for scandals. They were looking for flaws and faults and mistakes. They were looking to dig up things from his past. They tried. They looked for things that could implicate this guy and get him out of the picture. But guess what? They found nothing. Daniel was literally blameless before God and before man. Guess what? The only thing they could use to implicate him was something so good. Because he prayed to God, to Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. That was the only thing they could use to implicate. Think about that. That's what it looks like to be faultless, to be blameless. A child of God. You know, whether the whole world is going the other direction, but you are standing out in moral excellence. You are shining as a light in this world. You're distinct. That is God's will and desire for you and for your relationship. He says, holding fast the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I've not run in vain or labored in vain. Look, it's my joy, just like it's Paul the Apostles, to see that we are succeeding at our relationships. And when I prayed about this, the Lord assured me that, look, here at the Vivify ministry, we are raising people. We are raising people strong in the Lord, strong in relationships. Those who will be consistent, who carry the flag and banner of Christ in every single relationship that they're involved in praise the name of jesus that's what god wants for you hallelujah but you see we've started this journey we're on we're about to to go on the boat but you see there's something that we need to make sure is on aboard the boat aboard the ship before we start sailing on this journey of relationships look there is a goal in mind and we're gonna need this guy to keep us steady when the waves start to move when the you know the waves start to to shake and 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 there's turbulence up and down there is something that holds us and when you look at a ship there is one tool that does that that holds things in place hold things together holds things down it's called an anchor it's called an anchor. Look, if you think this journey is going to be a very smooth ride all through, all, all through, pardon me, look, you're, you're deceiving yourself. You're kidding yourself. In life, look, the good things in life, I've always said this, they don't always come so easy sometimes. If you want to look good and lose some weight, how does it come? By sitting down watching Netflix and eating pizza with fried chicken and, and chocolate and and oh my god and you know and, and lasagna with with hot dogs and and and, and, and burger and oh okay ah praise the lord I got distracted. I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm back. Right? You don't do those things to get in shape. What do you do? You get up in the morning. You take a morning jog. You do your cardio. You do your gymnastics. You do your aerobics. You get fit. It takes sweat. It takes pain. No pain. No what? No gain, as they say. So look, if you want to cook a decent meal, it might look delicious. It might taste delicious. But there is a process, a gruesome process that leads up to the preparation of that thing. And look, good things don't always seem to come easy. But look, doesn't mean those good things are not, imp- are not possible. They are possible. 
And if you're going to sail across the shores and the seas of life, and you're going to go to the other side where your goals for your relationships are, look, the waves are not always going to become. You need something that will hold you down, something that will take you through the entire journey. And that's what we're talking about today. It's, it's foundational. You need to know it. You need to understand that this is what it is. You know, and it's going to influence your relationships. And this is where you have to pay attention. If you were sleeping all through from the start till now, you need to wake up. This is the time. Listen, pay attention. Look. So, look, this is the anchor that we need to sail through this journey. And and and, and when we see um, John chapter 3 from verse 16, after we, we see that God created the entire world and he saw it was good we 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 then see his his disposition to the world that he created john 3 16 says for god so loved for god so loved and you realize that at the end of the day Everything that God did was because of this love. When he created the things that man was going to need to to survive, he did it out of love. When he created the angels, Hebrews tells us that he created the angels also to be ministering spirits to us who are the heirs of salvation. God did that because of his love. When he came in the form of a man and died the death we're supposed to die and the sin which so it easily beset us, he took it upon himself so that we become his righteousness. He did all of those things because he loved us and because he still loves us. And so you realize that the glue to the end the, the existence of things is God's love. But let me not get ahead of myself. Look, if you're not ready to submit to God's design for relationships, then you shouldn't be in one. I'm going to say that again. Maybe you didn't hear me. If you're not ready to submit to God's design for relationships, then you shouldn't be in one. If I believe that truly, if people understood the implications and and the expectations, you know, of being in a relationship. Many people will not dare close, go close to being in one. I promise you, if people really knew what the stakes were, if people really understood the expectations, I promise you, a lot of people will turn the other direction. Look, look, this is not for me. I can't do this. This is not. This this can't be me. Nah, it's too stressful. Nah, it's no, I can't possibly do that because relationships, they, they only work and succeed when you follow God's design. And, and that's what we're about to jump into. But before we do that, I want to just show you that there are different kinds of relationship. And, and I'm going to tie this kinds of relationship with the types of love that we have the types of love. So when you see that word love in English, it's just love. I love you. You love me. I love you. You love me. We are a happy family. Everybody loves each other. Valentine is coming now. That word starts to magnify and be thrown around everywhere. But look, you know, in, in other languages, you, you, you have this one word love represented in different ways, especially in the Greek um, there are a lot of Greek words that represent what love is, and I'm going to go through them so that you just understand what love is. I want to show you different facets, different kinds of relationships, but at the same time, I want to tell you the anchor that holds all these kinds together. 
All right, are you ready for me? So there is self, self-love. There is self-love, right? Your relationship with yourself. It's called philotus in the Greek. That's P-H-I-L-A-U-T-O-S. Sometimes it's called philosia, right? But that's just semantics anyways. It's love for self. It's a kind of relationship, the relationship you have with yourself. And and the funny thing is that a lot of people have toxic relationships with themselves. Very, very toxic relationships. Not because the other person is being toxic to you or being toxic to yourself. And so you're going to perceive every action from the other person as toxic to you. So that's a kind of relationship. There is the platonic relationship, the kind you have with your friends. It's, it's called philia, you know, or sometimes philio in the Greek, P-H-I-L-I-A or L-I-O. Platonic, you have this, and this is a very important kind of relationship. You know, that scripture we talked about, talked about two people are better than one. You know, talked about you having someone, a friend, someone you can count on and someone who can count on you. It's a beautiful relationship we have philadelphia right we have the 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 church kind of love the ecclesiastic love the philadelphic love right the love for the church it's 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 philadelphia in, in in greek that relationship with the church that's a very important um kind of relationship and that's one that god never jokes with God doesn't joke with that kind of relationship. He gives a lot of preferences, you know, that before you go outside into the world or, you know, you, you favor someone outside, start with those who are part of the household of God. There is a preference there. So it's a very important relationship. So the first one I said was self-love. Second was platonic. Third is the uh, ecclesiastic kind of love, the one for the church or the Philadelphic uh, kind of relationship or love. Um, that's the third one. The fourth one, which is very, very common is romantic Ooh, I, I can't say that word without sounding this way it's you know it's the romantic kind of love it, it's <clears throat> i'm trying my best it's the romantic <clears throat> romantic <laughs> it's not working romantic love you know it's it's called eros in, in the greek after the the greek goddess of fertility eros it's it's where you get the word erotic it's 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 a passionate kind of love it's between couples right that's the relationship between couples and and partners and spouses boyfriends girlfriends it's romantic in nature right and 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 it's it's also something that a lot of us you know have with the book of romance okay if if you didn't get the joke then just just keep listening all right but i hope you got the joke because it was funny all right so that's the fourth one the fifth one is matrimonial love. Matrimonial love. That's the fifth one now. And it's called pragma um, in, in the Greek. It, it's a kind of enduring love. It's one that doesn't just, it's not just a fling. It's not just um, a few moments of passion. This is one that endures. It, it's romantic love that takes a new development. It's called pragma where you get pragmatic, it's it's pragma, it's matrimonial love, enduring love, the kind that is with married couples, right? So that's matrimonial love or matrimonial relationships. Then the sixth one is, you know, you have familial love, right? Familial relationships. I'm, I'm taking my time with this so that you realize that, look, we're not just talking about the romantic kind, you know, 
but we're talking about the one that exists in every social interaction you're going to have with people. So familial love, that's um, it, it, the Greek word is storge. It's what you have with your siblings, it's what you have with your parents. And I tell you, that kind of relationship, it, it, it's, it's so important. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that their relationship with their parents, many times, especially with their fathers, sometimes influences their relationship. With God, whether they know it or not, it does affect, it does influence, right? So those relationships are important. Sometimes your relationship with your brother and your sister can give a perspective and an influence of how you should relate with those in the body of Christ. So these relationships are super important. Storge in the Greek, it's S-T-O-R-G-E, that familial kind of love. Praise the name of Jesus. So that's... um. The sixth one. The seventh one is playful love, you know, and it's called ludus, L-U-D-U-S, playful relationship, playful loves is is basically um, when you have crushes. I, I didn't know this existed until I, I did um, research a couple of years back. It, it's the playful kind of love. You just have when you have a crush on someone, I like you. Do you like me? You like me. I like you too. You, I like that you like me and I like that you like that I like you back and you liked me when I first told you I liked you. You know, it's not that crushy kind of love. You know, that's the, that's that one. Um, and crushes can be healthy and unhealthy, just so you know. And number eight is is the corporate kind of relationship, the one you have with colleagues and business partners, right? That's the last one, the corporate kind of relationship. But you see, God's design is that all these expressions of love, that they are anchored on the foundation, the foundational source of love. That's what God's design and will is. He wants that all these expressions of love that they're anchored on the foundational one which is agape and agape is the ninth one i'm going to bring to you it's it's called the selfless sacrificial unconditional kind of love selfless sacrificial unconditional sometimes they call it the universal kind of love it's selfless sacrificial unconditional why is this guy so important how do we just put him in a category of his own and say look agape you you know look you you deserve to have that gap you know between these other guys because it's agape right because okay you didn't get it okay i hope you did but you see that's that's where it all starts and ends when you have unconditional love look that's the same kind of love we saw in john 3 16 when god so loved the world it was a world look when god loved the children of israel it wasn't because they were the the best kind of people in fact history tells us they were some of the most rebellious bunch god delivered them from israel and the first thing they thought to do was create a different god and say that's no that's the god oh yahweh hold on stay your lane this is the actual god the one we just created that brother do you know how rebellious you have to be but do you know how much loving you have to be look that the more they sin the more his love endured for them that he loved them and his love overwhelmed them look that's the love that god showed to the world and look that's the kind of love 
that will hold you, hold your relationships in place when you're sailing across turbulent waters. It's that love that will keep you anchored, the unconditional love of God. And that's the kind of love that God has called us to live. Look, this kind of love is, it's unnatural. It's, it's not what you just find in the, in the marketplace. You can't just buy it there. It's not, it's rare. It's a supernatural kind of love. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. It's unconditional. It's a love that can look at someone who has betrayed you for several, several years. You know, you read the story of the prodigal son and you see how dare this guy, you know, just betray his father that way and try to do his own thing that way and try to just leave and expect that the father would just, you know, even hire him as a servant. How dare he think that way? And many of us don't realize that we are the prodigal son. Many of us don't realize that we're the ones who rebelled against God, who, who, who betrayed his trust, who, who slapped him in the face in rebellion and walked away. That was us. And God showed us the image, you know, of, of how he was towards that action we took. And Jesus described the parable and he says the father stood looking out look the father the reason the father saw him afar off was because he was waiting he was waiting with open arms ready to forgive look when when this guy had rehearsed all that he was going to say look i, I was this i was that all i want is just to be a servant i don't want to be a son i'm not worthy of that look the father didn't want to hear all that he said come my son is alive and back he was waiting. Even when the motivation of the prodigal son was not exactly right. He just wanted to survive. He really didn't want to just, you know, be united. But the father was like, look, I want you back. It was unconditional. If it were based on the guy's actions, by all means, just assume the position of an African person. Eh, if you near this house, if you come, eh, if you, today... If you come, please bring those, yes, bring those boys. They will take, they will, if you come here, come, get out of my sight. You know, you know, that's, if that's the picture you have of God. If it's African magic that influences your relationship with God, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in big trouble, you know, but that's not, thankfully, that's not the kind of love that God shows us. But you see, it's, it's one thing to really understand that God has this love for us. It's good. It's super important to know that God loved us so much that he, even while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That's amazing. That's super amazing. And you see, there's a God-sized hole in your heart that can only be filled by God. And, and that's why a lot of people make those mistakes of trying to stuff person after person. And they have rebound after rebound. Oh, this person didn't work for me. Oh, this guy broke my heart. But there's somebody else in the picture. Oh, you're not ready. There's another person waiting for me. And you try to stuff yourself, satisfy yourself with these people until you realize that, look, they will never be enough. Some of you have an unhealthy relationship with pornography and you're trying to stuff yourself with all of that to try and satisfy yourself one way or the other, but you end up with the same conclusion. It will never be enough because there is a God-sized hole in your heart that can only be filled to the brim by God himself. And look, in every situation, this is one thing you need to realize. 
It's only the love of God that can make you whole. It's only the love of God that can ever be enough for you. You need to remember that right now. So when people come and go in your life, when this person comes, when that person comes, when this relationship fails or when this one succeeds, you need to remember that at the end of the day, the only one that truly counts and the one that really satisfies is the love that God shows and it's unconditional. You know, many people have the idea that God is looking out to your next fault. He's so eager to see you fall. And when he you fall, he's looking for the next guy he's going to raise in your stead. But ask Jonah, that was not the case. <laughs> God pursued him. God chased him down. You know, God is not the kind that if you fall, maybe, you know, you have the picture of a parent. I'm walking my child and we're walking together. I say, be careful, if you step on stone, be careful. Child, don't step on stone. If you step on stone, I would, you know, you're in trouble, you know, and everything. And the child is walking carelessly and steps on the stone and falls. If you were a parent and you were in the middle of a forest and you were doing that, you were probably hiking with your son. Would you leave your son and say, you're very, you're very stupid. You're, you're very, I'm far, I'm leaving you and just walking away. You can't. You can't. What you would do is you help that child stand again. You pick up that child and say, look, I know you fell and you shouldn't have, but I'm ready to pick you up again to help you walk. And maybe the, the leg is so broken that the child can't even walk anymore. What do you do? You carry the child. But no matter what, that child is leaving that place with you in their arms. That's all that matters. And that's God's disposition towards you. That's the picture you should have. God helps you when you need it most. He doesn't leave and abandon you because you sinned. In fact, he's a very and ever-present help in that moment. You need to realize that this is the unconditional love of God. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient, love is kind. This is the kind of love that God shows to us. It is a patient and kind love. But you see, one thing to understand is, when you truly understand God's love, and this is where I've been trying to get to all along. When you truly understand God's love, you would want to give it. You want to show it. You want to share it. You want to tell it. You want to let people see that truly they too can be loved unconditionally the same way that God has loved you unconditionally. When you truly understand God's love, you would want to give it. Your understanding of God's love will reflect in how you give to or receive love from others. Praise the name of Jesus. See, if you haven't learned to love unconditionally, then you're not ready to love God's way. Mm, you're not. You're not ready to love God's way. If it's not an abundant love, if it's not an overshowering love, if it's not an unconditional, sacrificial, consistent love, then it is not God's love. And I'm saying this because you're going to need this. One thing you need to realize is that people will hurt you. Have you ever been hurt by anyone in your entire life? Have you ever been heartbroken? Have you felt pain because someone you loved and someone you trusted so much broke that trust and betrayed you? Have you ever felt hurt before in your life? People will hurt you. You need, to, you need to understand. People will offend you. Expect it. Oh, see, when you expect it and drink a bottle of water, cold water, you are good to go. <laughs> 
it's good. It, it's good to understand that, look, humans are not infallible. They will make mistakes. They will make errors. And sometimes it's not really their fault. Sometimes it's their background. Sometimes it's their experiences. But look, people are always bound to step on our toes and hurt us and offend us. But the question is, how do we respond to those? Whether it's your friend, whether it's your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your parent, or it's your sibling or it's a business partner, how do you respond to these people? Look, this kind of love called agape, it has trademarks. The trademarks of agape are forgiveness and selflessness. Forgiveness and selflessness. That's what marks this kind of love. It's a love where you, you see the person and their actions. You see them the same way God sees you. You see, the way God sees you is the way he sees his son, Jesus Christ. So when he sees you and he sees his son, he says, look, because of what my son did, I see you that same way. And this kind of love is, is the kind that when you see others, you see them through God's lens. You see them the way God sees you. When you see them, you don't see their faults. You don't see their mistakes. What you do is see his love. Now, this might sound so far-fetched. Like, what are you talking about? This seems so abstract. Like, what do you mean? What I'm trying to tell you is your love for others must be independent of them. The Bible tells us that God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of the most powerful things you need to remember, one of the most powerful revelations is that God is love. And if he was the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he's going to be the same forever. And God is love. What that means is love is the same or should be the same as it was yesterday, today, and forever. And if this love is unconditional, guess what? Your love for others must be the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the point I'm trying to preach to you today. Your love must be consistent, as consistent as God as God is. If God is consistent and God is love, guess what? The love he's given you to show others must also be consistent. Yes, I know they've hurt you. I know when you were younger, you were abused by these people verbally, sexually. I am sorry. But look, you need to realize that you were as broken as those people who abused you too. You were sinful like those people were sinful. Like God showed his love and mercy and forgave you. And he's asking you to let go, to forgive, to anticipate that people will make mistakes and make provision to forgive them. Even if people are planning on how to hurt you, you too set out to plan, how do I forgive this person? I've held on to this person and their offense for too long. Enough is enough. I let it go. And like I always say, if you don't let it go, you will stay frozen. 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 Yeah, I wanted to add the echo, so it's it stuck. But you get the point. You need to love the way God loves. And, and, and the truth is, this is actually a proof of your salvation. It's a proof of your identity. Look at what John 13 says. It, it's, it's so powerful. Look, John 13 from verse 34 to 35. 
John 13 to, from verse 34 to 35. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And it says this in verse 35, By this all will know that you are my disciples. How can people tell that you are born of God? How can people tell you're a child of God? How can people tell that you are distinct, you are different, you are light in this perverse generation? This is how they know you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And the love he's talking about is agape. If you have love for one another, one that can overlook faults, overlook mistakes, one that can stay consistent, always looking for the best ways on how to forgive and let go, guess what? People can tell and say, look, you remind me of Jesus Christ. You remind me of that man who paid the, the highest price, even to the ones who mocked him and betrayed him and put him on that cross. And he said, Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they do. You remind me of him. If someone can say, see you do that then you're on the right track you you've you've gotten to the first stage of what makes relationships work because your parents can tell you this and for those of you who are married or you're in a relationship you can know you know that sometimes your partner offends you your partner fights with you you have arguments, differences, misunderstandings. But are you going to say we need to break up and divorce because of these things? Or are you going to fight? Fight that love reigns. Are you going to say, you know what? Look, you hurt me. And she hurt you. I hurt you. We hurt each other. But look, forgive me because I have forgiven you. To fight till the very end. To, to make it work. If, if people were intentional about their love walk. I tell you the divorce rate. Even in the church. In the body of Christ. Will go down so drastically. But it's because people have not been taught on how to love. Look this is the glue. This is the anchor to every relationship you ever be in. If you love unconditionally. Guess what? Your friendships are going to be beautiful. Even when they offend you, those who are close to you, you get to forgive. And when forgiveness reigns, guess what? Love reigns, peace reigns, joy reigns. God's design for you takes preeminence. For your relationship, it takes preeminence. Praise the name of Jesus. First John 4 verse 7, still talking about how your love walk is a proof that you're truly saved. Look at First John 4 from verse 7 to 8. It's a big thing. It's a big deal. And this is what it says. It says, oh, this is perfect. It says, beloved, let us love one another. For God is, for sorry, pardon me. For love is of God, right? Beloved, let us love one another because love is what? Of God. If you, if you see love thriving in place, real the real kind of love, not the superficial one, the one that is unconditional, then it's because it's of God. It says, and everyone who loves God, look at this. Everyone who loves God is born of God and knows God. Very clear, right? But he that does not love 
sorry, pardon me. The previous place says everyone who loves, not necessarily loves God, but everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But he who does not love does not know God for God is love. Look at that. If you don't love it, it your, your knowledge of God is proven by your love for others. Ah, you didn't hear that. I'm going to say it again. Your love and your knowledge, pardon me, for God, your knowledge of God is proven by your love for others. If you tell me, I know God. I love God and you're not loving those that he died for as well. Then you don't know God. You're not born of God. So this is just a corrective, a corrective um, angle to this to help us align. And I'm going to end on this. I'm going to end on this note, right? And I want us to read 1 Corinthians 13. I want to reemphasize something in all our minds because you're going to need this for some of you you might not need this today or tomorrow you might need this in some months to come and sorry some years to come with your parents with your friends with your spouses with see look in the next five to six years seven years tops maybe most of you listening to this teaching will be married then in a relationship then at least or married you would have children. And these are the things you need to learn now. So that they, 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 they serve as a, f a very solid foundation for you. So when you hit those turbulent waters and waves, you know how to stay anchored. Praise the name of Jesus. All right, look at this. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read from, um, I think from verse 4. Right. Um... And the, the, the places at the beginning was just said, if you can do all these things and you do all of that and you don't have true love, um, it means nothing, right? Well, look at this. It says, um, love suffers long. I like the way it, it, it puts it, you know, love suffers long. That's what patience is, suffers long. There are times where you're going to be with people. Right, there are times where you're going to have to to someone offends you and apologizes. You're like, okay, fine, I forgive you, and the person repeats that offense again and repeats and repeats and repeats. Love is patient with such people to realize that look, look, they're in their own phases of development. They are also trying to grow, and love demands that you are patient with them, even in their growth process, even though it hurts. Sometimes, you know, you look, you need to know, of course, with this love comes wisdom. You need to know when to cut off. You need to know when to run. But look, when it comes to making relationships work and succeed, you need to be patient, right? And these are not instructions. These are, these are just explanations of what love looks like. True love, God's kind of love looks like, right? So this is not a goal to aspire to. This is a fruit of your spirit. You have this the love of God. Praise the name of Jesus. It's there. It says love is patient. It suffers long. It's kind. And when you think about these things, just think about yourself, right? Do I, do, am I patient? Am I kind? Right? Just think about, let this be reflective for you. It says love does not envy. Love doesn't see another person succeed and you start being envious. You start to compare yourself and you start looking down. I don't know. The reason why he has money is probably doing Yahoo, Yahoo, Yahoo. He's probably doing something, you know, very duplicitous. It, it, when you start to do that, you are not showing love. Love is not envious. It's not. 
Love does not parade itself. It doesn't go around boasting. Look at what I have done. Look at what I've achieved. True love points to the other person. True love takes the, 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 the spotlight away from you to someone else. Right? And if that someone else is God as well, that's what love does. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. You know, it says, does not behave itself rudely. Are you rude? That's a good question to ask yourself. Are you rude? Right? Some of you might see the word charity. That's the the, the King James um, rendition, the old English rendition for love, which is agape. It says, does not behave itself rudely. Love is not rude. Love does not seek its own. Like love is not always looking for how to better itself. It looks on how to better others. It doesn't look at your own problems. It looks, it takes you outside of you to look at the other person and say, look, are you okay? Are you actually fine? Are you good? So love does not seek its own thing. It, It seeks the benefit of others. Love is not easily provoked. Ah! It's not easily provoked. It's not easily irritated. Wow. Look at that. It said love thinks no evil. Right? Love does not rejoice in in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Another version also talks about how love bears no record of wrongdoing. Love bears no record of wrongdoing. That's huge. That's huge. It means that when someone offends you, you don't write it down as God overlooks your sins and and, and, and cast them aside because he wants his love to reign. He's saying, do the same for others. Forgive their debts. Forgive them. Don't take into account their wrongdoing. When you see people, many times we, we seem to identify and define people by their mistakes or their offenses towards us. Say, no, don't do that. Let go of that. See beyond them. See someone who Christ died for. And then it says that love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And it says love never fails. That's the love that God has called us to live. The one that endures all things. It might not be easy. It might be hard. But love endures all things. Love hopes for the best. I know that these people in the relationships, they've hurt me. I know they've messed up. I know that it doesn't even seem like they're improving. But love hopes for the best. Love believes all things. This is what love is. God has shown us this love. And he's asking us, let this be your anchor through this journey. You will need it. Learn to love people the way I have loved you. As consistently as I have loved you, love them consistently. As sacrificially as I have loved you, love them sacrificially. This is how you make relationships work. This is how relationships succeed. And right now, I don't know what point you are in your life, whether you've made so many mistakes in the past. Maybe you're in a place of of, of skepticism. You're just thinking, no, I'm, I'm done with this relationship of a thing. I'm done. I don't want to be in anything. Maybe with you, it's your parents and maybe you're, you're just around you know, such toxicity, you're, you have, you know, you're just in an environment where things are just not working out. Maybe you don't even have a good example of what a good relationship should be like. Look, one thing is clear. 
you can be better just because it happened to them to them doesn't mean it can it, it will happen to you just because that happened in your past doesn't mean that's the same pattern that's going to continue for you you need to believe the best about your relationships that's where it starts you need to come out of the world and pop culture and say look not all men are scum not all men are uh, not all women are duplicitous. Not all women are gold diggers. Not all men are unfaithful. Not all men are abusive. Not all men are hypocrites. You need to come out of that shell. You need to come out of that bubble and realize that, look, what God says about you and your relationships matter the most. And he's saying that he wants you to succeed. He wants you to be a light in this generation where it's it divorce, 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 abuse, 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 unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness. And he's saying you can be the standard that the world looks at and sees my light and they see my design and they see my heart when they see you and they see my love for the church when they see your love for each other that is god's desire for you and right now i want you to turn that into prayer where, right where you are i want you to pray that lord in the name of jesus my relationships of all kinds take a better shape they start to look like what you want them to look like my relationships they stand as light as a light in this dark world in this perverse generation lord yes i've had the bad experience experiences yes lord i've heard of people's expectations but i know yours i know your expectations now i know your design i know your desire for me and it is to succeed in my relationship and lord i succeed by your power by your grace i succeed in my relationship i start to set the standard according to your word for what relationships should look like in this generation in my family in my circle of influence lord i stand as a light in the name of jesus for generations to come i stand as a light in the name of jesus i serve as an example for my kids in the name of jesus lord this is your plan this is your will and it is so for me come on pray come on pray like you mean it oh thank you lord that's it that's it thank you in jesus name we have prayed in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Now, I want to just pray. Maybe this is your category. You've not had it easy. You've you've been cheated on. You, you've had your heart broken. You've just not met the right person yet. Maybe you've not even been in a relationship. You feel like you're not enough. You feel like nobody is going to love you enough the way you want to be loved. Right now is a time to just receive healing. If you've been hurt, Right now, just say, Lord, heal my heart. Lord, work on my heart. I want to believe again. I want to rise from the ashes again. I want to rise to a place where I see your plan and your purpose for my life and my relationships again. Lord, regardless of how painful it's been, I receive my healing. My healing starts now. And for those of you who have been on your healing process, it's completed now. Complete my healing now, Lord Jesus. I'm ready again. I'm ready again to receive all that you want from me, for my life and for my relationships lord let the healing begin let the healing begin lord all the damages if yours is an esteem issue you don't feel you're good enough lord 
all the damages to my esteem from the past, from the present. Lord, in the name of Jesus, right now, they take, oh Lord, a, a different shape. They start to grow. My esteem, Lord, it's, it's more intact. My esteem is fortified. My esteem is filled with your love for me in the name of Jesus. Your love for me is more than sufficient. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, that's it. Oh, thank you, Lord. People are receiving their healings right now. That's it. People are receiving their healings right now. For some of you, it's a mind shift of what is possible for your relationship. It's a mind shift. There's a mind shift. There's a, a, there's been a transformation in your mind, a renewal right now. That's what's going on. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And precious Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you because we have seen your design and your desire for our relationships. We've seen that your plans are to see us succeed at relationships. We've seen that you put us in relationships so that we can grow, so that we can be better, so that we can align ourselves in, in your purpose and do it even at, a, at a, an increased pace and an increased result. Thank you, Lord, because this is us. We are ready for all that you have for us. We've seen that unconditional love is the way forward, is the way to stay anchored. In, in this turbulent journey ahead, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we express this fruit of our spirit with much more fruitfulness. We express it with much effortless ease. Lord, it's easier to love. It's easier to forgive. It's easier to let go. It's easier to see people the way you see us. It's easier to, to form relationships even though they have been broken. It's easier for us to, to forge ahead and, and, and put aside, you know, offense and put aside hurt all for the greater good, all for uh, to, to display your love to this world and set that standard. Thank you, Jesus. We are people of love. We're people that stand as light in this generation and make all the difference. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. We are grateful. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.